stay up to date on the green and gold all off season. The green and gold fix podcast is brought to you by Potawatomi casino hotel, luxury stay, elite play unwind in sophisticated comfort, win big dine and experience the events in Milwaukee. It's Homer in the Hall of Famer, and when I saw the story, Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the NFL alleging racial discrimination. I said, I have got to talk to Packer Hall of Famer Dave Robinson because I know he lived it. And I'm curious, and I want to hear his story as to what it was like when he played, because whatever it is now, it must have been way, way worse back then. Hall of Famer, how are you? Just fine. How you doing, Homer? I'm doing fine. I know you are probably headed to the uh, Super Bowl, and I'm expecting right. a huge day or week because I'm expecting yeah. that Leroy Butler is going to get into the Hall of Fame. We'll see. I, I, I have my fingers crossed. I think I think he's the only defensive back up there this year, too, isn't he? Uh, I in know the time, final fifteen. I know this. Of, yeah, I think players, this year. of players of the decade of the seventies, mm-hmm. eighties. And 90s, he's the only one not in the Hall of Fame. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. It is incredible, yeah. That, well, that, I, I, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I'd bet on him going in this year. I really would. I've already, and, uh, but, uh, I've already yeah. bet on him. All right, let's go. Yeah. I don't know where to <laughs> start with man. you, because I imagine okay. it was... There were no black people when you were going to high school or college, or, uh, and no. I don't... I don't. I'm not asking you to make any judgment or any editorial right, right. comment. I don't want to get you in trouble. I just want you to tell everyone because I'm curious too what it was like. You're you're a high school okay. player, one of a great players. Your family take it from from in high yeah. school deciding on where to go to college. Okay. Well, let me tell you. First of all, uh, my, in my family, I, I'm I'm the brightest. Second and maybe even the third best football player come out of my my, out of my family in high school. Uh, the best was my brother Byron, and these uh, may have never heard of him. He graduated from high school in 1949. Now in 1949, uh, all the southern schools, most of the southern schools, all the southern schools except for the, the traditional black colleges and universities, were all segregated. So they weren't going to recruit any black ball players. And in the northern schools, the general policy was that your father. Or somebody in your family, somebody had to pay for your first semester. You went to school for one semester, then at the end of that football season, you would, uh, because it was a freshman season then, and, and after the end of the freshman season, you'd go to spring practice. If you look good in spring practice, you could win a scholarship for the next three years. Or one, actually, uh, I found out later, much later, that I actually had four one year scholarships. At any time, I could have been, been sent home. But that's how it was. I, I was never recruited. I was never scouted by my uh, by Penn State. I went to Penn State. I was fortunate enough though to have an assistant coach who had uh, who had been a good captain of the Penn State football team. He called the Vip Angle and Joe Paterno said, "You got to come look at this kid." They never came to look at me until I was playing basketball. A scout finally came in and watched me play basketball, and he went back and he sent some and took some films back of me playing football, and then they they. They offered me a one-year scholarship. I didn't know. I thought it was a four-year. They told me four years, but I found out later it was only a one-year scholarship. And I had a very good freshman year, and a, and a very good pre uh, uh, training camp with that some spring ball, and uh, came back out and uh, the rest is history. But uh, all right, let me back up you know, to your, let me back up, Charlie. Let me back up to your, your older brother. 
Right. So what happened? Are you telling me that if he had played and had the chance that you had, that he might be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Very well possible. Very, very possible. He was a he was an offense he was an offensive tackle and a, and a linebacker on defense. He was he was great. He really was. All the coaches in my high school, coach both of us, said that he was a much better football player. And he didn't so get to play that, in college. No, no, he didn't go. My father couldn't afford to pay. You know, Jim Brown. You think about Jim Brown, the great Jim Brown. That's yeah. how he went to school. Jim Brown did, did not. It, he was not could not get a scholarship. The way he went to Syracuse was some alumni who had money offered to pay his first semester so he could play lacrosse. And they, and, he, and that's how Jim got into in the in the Syracuse. Then in the spring ball at the end of the season, at the end of that semester, he went off for spring ball. And he ran over everybody, and he got a football scholarship last three years. Now, I'm assuming that white players didn't have to do that. It was just black. No, no. White, white ball players were scouted in high school, and can they come to your house, they offer you a scholarship. Right. They didn't do that to the black ball players. That wasn't done. And it was, it was kind of, there's a lot of all kinds of rules, not rules, but uh, custom that, that, that deterred black ball players. You know, and then, like, uh, even when I, when I was in college and having a great time and everything else, the rule of thumb was don't draft black ball players to the third round. And nobody did. Wow. So consequently, all right, all right, I was let, me, up let me back up. Let me back up. Yeah, your brother you didn't get to go, but you no. did. Did somebody pay your first scholarship? How How is it different for you well, than your older brother? I, I came out in 1959. And, and uh, like I said, one of my high school assistant coaches had been the captain of the team, football team at Penn State, and he called Penn State and told me he needed to look at me. And they said, all right. And uh, so they, they they never came down and scouted me. And uh, so I guess what they did, they had, oh, there was there was a, a organization, I can't think of the name right now, in South Jersey, South New Jersey, who offered scholarships, a one-year scholarship to any student who go to college in, uh, at Penn State. And uh, I, that's what I got. But it's only a one-year scholarship. And they knew they had this scholarship open, so they said, which I guess, I don't know what they said really, but they probably said, we'll try it out on this scholarship. It won't cost us anything. We'll use this, uh, uh, um, whatever the club was, scholarship. And I went to school on that scholarship. But they told me they gave me a four-year scholarship when they came down and talked to my mother. And I, anyway, I, I went, and then at the end of the year, I had a good year. And I got the same scholarship the next year. Not until my junior year that somebody mentioned to me from my hometown. I found out that that was a, a one-year scholarship. Every year, one athlete, student athlete from South Jersey got the scholarship. And they kept awarding it to me for four straight years. Wow. That's how I got to Penn State. It was, it's, it's amazing. And like I said, they didn't even scout me in football. They came down and saw me play basketball, which they saw my, my size and my, my, my agilities and stuff like that. And so I guess they said, we'll take a chance on him. And that's how I got there. After, after they saw me play basketball, they, they offered me the scholarship. And uh, uh, I went there, and I had, like I said, I had, good, I had, a, good, I had a good time at Penn State. I, I played very well. And, what, but, wait a minute. And, what and, do you but, mean you played very well? You were fantastic. I, I'm yeah. going to ask this a number of times because I yeah. try to imagine what I would have felt. Mm-hmm. How were you not mad? Or maybe some kids were mad. This isn't yeah. fair, and everybody yeah. knows yeah. it isn't fair, but I don't know that you're thinking, I, I can't change the system, I just want to play football. Yeah. Uh, did That's... you or did you know other people that that anger was 
tough or tougher for some than others? Yes or yeah, no? Yeah, I, 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 oh, yes, I did. Uh, uh, Lenny Moore was a great football player from coming out sure. of uh, Penn State. And me, when he left, uh, uh, he left another kid from his of his high school, Grady in Pennsylvania, Bruce Gilmore, came in and was going to be the next Lenny Moore. And he uh, hurt his knee. And uh, he hurt his knee, and, and uh, they operated on it. And they said his knee was not that solid. You know, I'm talking about down, this down in the 50s, the mid-50s. And I got there I got there in 59, so before I got there. And uh, they said, uh, and Butcher, Butcher is those days too, by the way. But anyhow, he... Uh, wasn't didn't wasn't running. They just didn't offer him a scholarship the next year, and I, I, don't, I don't know what I don't know what he did. But he was he was so, uh, the greatest thing since bubblegum in in the west middle on the middle of Pennsylvania. But he just didn't make it. He was African American by the way too. And uh, so and you're when at, I got you're there, at Penn- when, I, when I got there, everybody yeah. was telling me, said, "Don't get hurt." They told me, and I said, "What do you mean?" They told, everybody told you the Bruce Gilmore story. He got hurt wow. and he's home. He, they lost his scholarship and everything. And so he said, don't get hurt. Whatever you do, don't get hurt. I was scared to death when I got hurt. I knew my father had died my freshman year in high school. My mother was in deep debt trying to keep the family together. I knew she couldn't pay for my scholarship. And I couldn't save up enough money during the summer. And I said, if I don't make this team, I'm in trouble. That's why I was inspired to play the best I could. Every every time somebody lined up and I hit him, I said, this is... This is for my scholarship. Boom. <laughs> it was, now, you know. let me interrupt because people yeah. do not know how good Lenny Moore was. Lenny Moore was one yeah. of the eight running backs in the history of the NFL. The problem was right. if you were Jim Brown's time, you were always second best or whatever. And somebody can look up in Wikipedia. Uh, to Pence. Well, Len- Go ahead. Lenny was before Jim Brown now. Correct. Know I know, but yeah. I'm saying that when you uh, mm. pick on who was the greatest, yeah. Jim Brown's going to probably win in college, and right. others might have been just as good. They were he was Lenny Moore wasn't that much older than Jim Brown, was he? It'd be a... no. Lenny Moore came out in nineteen fifty five, I think fifty four, yeah. fifty five. They were pretty close. And, and Jim Brown came out I think in fifty six or fifty seven. Right. Yeah. Now let me go to Penn yeah. State. How many mm-hmm. black players were there on the team in addition to you? Well. <laughs> We had a couple on the team, but they weren't on the traveling squad. They, they had the first team, the second team, third team travel. And, they, and then they had the Hey Use. So, uh, like, uh, I had, I, okay, remember I told you, they, 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 they needed a tackle. They, by, by spring practice, my freshman, my freshman year, my freshman and sophomore year, I played tackle. I, and and uh, you had to, go both, had to go both ways those days, only one between Correct. football. Right. And I was, uh, I weighed 220. Six pounds, I think it was. The next latest tackle was two thirty-five. That was, that was, and, and he was the guy that went to. A, uh, he went to Buffalo. Was all pro and everything else. He was the. He was the next latest. All the other guys up two fifty and above. I got whooped. Three practices, twenty days long, and I'll tell you something. I got beat every single day. I had, every day I get up and say, "Who's gonna whoop my butt today?" And I, and I, at the, I went back home at the end of that. At the, the year was over, and I told my brother, "I'm not going back. I'm going to take. I'm going to take that beat. I can't make it. I won't make it as a sophomore." And he said, "Robinsons don't quit." This is the same brother I told you about who was a good yes. football player. He said, "Robinsons don't quit. Go back and give me all." Well, I beefed up to about two oh nine. That's the best I could. And I went back and I walked in the room, and I had a jersey hanging in the locker, and had number sixty seven on it. I knew they changed their guard. And I said, oh, Lord, that's great. And I said, I, I can make it. And so as guard, I played offensive guard and nose tackle. And uh, 
my highlight of that my sophomore year, we played Missouri, who were national champions, and and uh, I played nose guard over top of the center. And for at least four times during the game, he called the referee to come come and check my forearm pad. He swore I had a piece of metal on my forearm pad. You were hitting so hard. It. I was hitting him all. Yeah, he was bleeding like a stuck hog. And at the end of the year, in those days, all Americans went with like it was because everybody voted regionally. Uh, the South was going to vote for nobody but somebody from the South, the East to East. And, you know, so it's hard. All, all, all Americans didn't really mean as much as it does today because they don't see everybody. But the big thing was the all-opponent team. Every team made an all-opponent. Of all the people we played all year, these are the 11 guys we thought were the best. And uh, Missouri, like I said, were national championships. And uh, they didn't have me on the on the roster. And the center told them to write me in. Wow. He said, nobody beat me like that black kid from Penn State. And I wore number 67. All right, hold then on. Every, I, I want to get to the I'm rest. Go, I, I'm going to get, get to the get rest one. here. Go ahead. Okay. Well, halfway through the year, I changed the tight end. I played tight end. Yes. So in 19, my junior year, I wore number 80. That's why I integrated the Gator Bowl. With that, the Gator Bowl, and somebody said, I looked at that 61 Penn State team, and I couldn't see. I couldn't find you, Rob. I said, I don't know why not. I'm the only black guy in the picture. <laughs> I was the only black guy in the travel squad. Same for my senior. But my senior, I changed my number to 89. I, I, for three years, I had three different numbers. So I finally got 89, the number I wanted all along. And so people keep looking for 89, and those old teams, you won't find me. But I'm the only black guy on all those teams, the only black guy to show up. So, so there are other guys, yeah. but they didn't make it. All right, this is with the Hall yeah. of Famer Dave Robinson, and uh, this is so good. We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we'll have round two with Dave Robinson <laughs> next. <laughs> Continuing the discussion again, I wanted to talk to the Hall of Famer when Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the NFL alleging racial discrimination because I don't think anybody lived it or can tell the story like Dave Robinson. Because there weren't black, there were no black anything. Now, all right, you're Penn State. There were a couple others. What's it like? I, I was it was it tough? Um, you're, nobody else yeah. is black. It's what's it like no, well, being a student there during that time? Well, I was I was a fairly good student, by the way. But right. anyway, and the, and the, and the ball players. One thing about football players, they accept you, and no matter what you are, as long as you can block and tackle, they don't care. Uh, I don't think I don't think I had any trouble at it, and not a single ball player on the team, you know. And, and it was just it just great. And and uh, we all, in, in fact uh, we were we were practicing down at the, at the Annapolis before the uh, before we went to the Liberty uh, Gator Bowl game. We all walked into this club, and uh, all the ball players walked in. And I wasn't twenty one yet, so I just ordered ginger ale. And uh, some of the guys ordered, and the guy came over and told us said. Uh, you guys can't drink it here. He said, well, I said, I'm, I said, I'm, I'm not, not 21, but I'm just drinking ginger. I said, no, 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 no. He can't drink here. And because I was, I was, all the other ballplayers are white, of course. And uh, one of our linebackers, we ended up going to Baltimore, who was really the first linebacker for our team in the National Football League. His name was Bill Saul, one of the Saul brothers out of Western Pennsylvania. And he went to Baltimore. And they, anyway, they was a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a little while. He got up, and then they got into a fight. To protect me. That's how my teammates were. Because wow. that's because the guy that insulted me, but built so I was was going to fight him. And I said, no, no, I'll leave. And myself, I just left. I just left the club. And and that's how it was. It's like that, you know. I can tell you lots of stories about all. But my teammates. I'm trying to tell you, my teammates were behind me, and that, and that was the big thing. Was there a black and, uh, coach? Did you ever have a black coach? A black no. assistant coach? No. When was the first no. time you have? Yeah, you know, no, a high school, none oh, in college. 
No, no. I in the pros? One black guy. I only saw one black guy, and he was in the mirror. That's what, what I saw. All right, so now oh, you're a great college it, it, player. I know uh, the greatest yeah. stories. I want to get the tape of you against John yeah. Mackey, head to head, offense and defense. Right. So you right. said now you're a great player, but you knew you weren't going to get drafted in what the first couple rounds. But what, tell us again what the story was. Yeah, the draft. well, I, did, I, I knew that, that they said you're lucky to get drafted the first after the third round. But I was kind of not expecting to go to, the, to at least the third round. But I, I, I was. But that's because a, they, I mean, wouldn't dra- they wouldn't draft. They wouldn't draft. Giant fan. No one would draft a black player before the third round. Is that? Not not very often. All right. No. Okay. And and and, and uh, well, uh, this Abadi did he, in '61. He drafted Herb Alley in the first round. Right. And then and he drafted me in the first round of '63. And he was a lot of people come down. There was some rumors. I don't know how true they were. That some people on the board of directors told Vinny said Vince. You know, wasted draft choice. We could have got these black guys in the third round. And was Vince said, "Look, you, you guys run the finance of the company. I'll run this thing of football team, and I'll draft who I like." And uh, that was it. That's how Vince. That's, and Vince told me later. I asked him about it, and Vince said, "Well, you know," he said, "The reason why they said that was because black ball players didn't go. They did go. Very few went to northern schools, and they went to southern schools. Went to traditional black colleges. They had inferior equipment." And 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 the, so the coaching wasn't the best. So the rumors were that if you draft a black guy from, let's say, Grambling, well, I use that because Willie Davis came from there and was a great football player. But you say you get, got, got take a guy from Grambling, you're gonna have to coach him up for two or three years. You can't play him right away. So that's why they said don't draft a black guy to the third round. And and people didn't look at individual cases; they just assumed. Now Vince said that didn't make any sense in your situation or Herb's. Herb went to Michigan State. He had the finest, of best of equipment, the best coaching, best competition. I mean, he had everything any other white ball player I was going to draft had. He had it. I went to Penn State. We played. We played. We had great. We had great coaches. We had great coaches, great equipment, top program. So, but there's no reason. There's no real reason to not draft somebody like Herb Ryan in the first round, except the fact that we were African Americans. And Vince ignored that. And Vince drafted us. And, and uh, he was. He was. He was supposedly, I heard the rumors I heard was that some people caught him on the carpet about the, in the board of directors. And then he took over. But it was, and, and Will Tamara, who uh, was a great fan of Vince Savardi, not many, and I talked to him one time, and he says, you know, he says, we should, we should have got you. I said, well, I, he said, he said, we were going to get you, but we had you up on a, on a, on a board to draft the third round. I said, well. All right, so now. And I just do it myself. That's that old story. Don't draft the black guy to the third round. Now, I think you were the first black starting offensive linebacker in the history of the NFL, or maybe somebody wasn't. Right. But is that accurate? No. Right. First, yeah, a black guy, yes. And the funny thing is, the guy who played me in the All-Star game, Bobby Bell, who went to Kansas sure. City, he was the first black in the AFL. So he and I had he and I had that little merger. He was, we were, each of us was the first black linebacker in our, in, in our individual leagues, AFL, NFL. So and you uh, get we, to the Packers. You get to the Packers. Yeah. Now in college, there are almost no other black players. When you get to right. the Packers, how many black players? People don't realize. Well, there wasn't very many on the team, but here's the thing that got me. Remember I told you, the only black guy at Penn State, for the whole season, I roomed with the other end, who happened to be white. And he was, he was my roommate. We were on the road. We, we were all the time. When I got to Green Bay, there was a 38-man roster. I was the last one to come in because... I was at the All-Star game. 
we had eight African-Americans on the team. I was the number nine guy, odd man. Because I was the odd man for the whole year, I had a room to myself. Now, there's a 38-man roster, so if I had a room to myself. Somebody else had a room a to themselves. There's a white guy that had a room to himself. Do you know who okay. it was? Uh, who the white guy was? Yeah. No, I never found out. I, I, I wow. didn't even care. I didn't even care. But the, 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 the other eight black guys on the team, they always got together. They always laughed at the fact, well, we're going to our room. Sorry, Rob. You got to go back to play room. Please, by yourself. And, and they just made a joke of it. We, we, and, uh, and later, during the 68 strike, when, when I was on the negotiating team, I was, I, I was a player rep. But I was on the negotiating team for the players. And uh, that something of a discrimination came up. And I asked Vince about that. And I mentioned to him the fact that I, well, he said, he said we don't have any trouble with Green Bay, did we, Dave? I said, well, not really, Coach. say because we're winning. If we ever start losing, then all of a sudden you're going to see some, a lot of bickering and what's going on. But the, when you lose, when you win, it, that settles a lot of problems. And he said, and he said, like what? And I told him about me rooming by, by myself. And he, I can see, he was those embarrassed because all the owners were there, something like right? He said, well, we only did that because we had always done it that way. We thought you guys wanted to live, stay, stay, with, stay with each other or by yourself. I said, no, I said, hell. I, I room with a white guy all, all the way through college. I said, I had no problem with it. All right, let me let me then you mention Lombardi because yeah, I thought right. that Jerry Kramer talked about he roomed maybe this was just on the road uh, he roomed with Willie Davis or where right. was it on the, the head of me excuse me what happened after after that nineteen sixty eight yeah the after the year the first strike first strike Vince after he, I told him what was going on and, and we talked about my situation he went back and said went back and told the pack organization we're no longer going to do that. Let anybody do what they want. And Jerry and Willie Davis were the first integrated couples. And Jerry, that's what Jerry and Willie got together in 1969, I guess, 60 wow. So that, that's, that's how, because of, after when Vince found out there was a problem, that the, the black guy was, he just thought, well, we do it. Everybody's happy with it. He didn't want to change the system. When he found out there was something that we were, it was bothering the black guy. And we made jokes about everything, but it was really bothering. Everybody talked about it. Then he he changed it. I don't know what the I don't know what the I don't know what they have now. I don't know how they do it. Whether they do it by you choose or by position or what. But Vince changed it. And the first two to merge. Well, I was in with Lionel Aldridge, and I told Vince at the time. I said, "Hey, I've been with Lionel so long now. Since since our rookie year, I wouldn't change it if the I would change anybody. He thought he got one of them with. So I stayed with Lionel Aldridge. Now, I but, want to uh, interrupt because that uh, means that this didn't happen till very late. I mean, 68 and 69 was after you'd won all your championships. This was very uh, late in the careers of those Vince, players. That's right. It was, it was, a, it was, wow. It was the 1968 season when Vince, the year that Vince was a, the general manager and not the coach. Correct. When, when, when that contract, that's had that contract. That's when, that's when Vince was, said he was a, was, it was it was surprised to know that there was a problem with the fact that the, the no blacks all the blacks moved together. He just assumed that we wanted to room with each other, didn't want to room with the white guys, because it always did. They'd always done it that way. So, in yeah. in your time in Green Bay, did you ever have a black coach? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, there was a couple a couple guys who, who I thought would make a great coach, like Willie Wood. Uh, Willie Davis, too. Willie Davis wouldn't do it, but Willie Wood would have done it if he got a chance. He never got a chance. Uh, 
In fact, when, when I when I was in playing ball, I, I thought I'd love to be a linebacker coach. It, it, the opportunity never uh, never came up. Uh, George Al, when I left, asked offered job coaching as assistant coach with him, but he offered me like also my salary was going to be like thirty five thousand dollars a year or something like that, and, and I got I was offered more to to go into the beer business, and so uh, with a wife and three kids, I told George, "Thank you, but no thank you," and uh, and. It was, it was interesting. That's why, that's why I left. That's why I retired. Did did that irritate people? Uh, if somebody wanted to be the coach, what what did the players think? Or was it, again, just didn't come up? Well, you would think somebody well, well, would look well, at the caliber of you as players yeah. and individuals yeah. and say, hey, I want you on my staff, and never happened once. Well, that's when that's when Elijah Pitts and then and, 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 Early seventies, he left. He retired, and he he went to a Los Angeles and got a job with Air Coriel, with Don Coriel, and the and with the Rams. So he was the and first was, player of your team to, to be an assistant coach, Elijah Pitts. Right, the first, wow. first African American player. Yeah, and he went there, and, and he stood, and he got he learned that he he was a running back coach, and he was a he is, you know here's something that people don't, everybody talks about like power sweep. Those who know will tell you. The best one, the one who ran the power sweep the best was Elijah Pitts. Although all the picks you always see will be Jim Taylor and Paul Horning. But Elijah Pitts is the one. And in big games like Super Bowl one, I think, was Elijah Pitts ran the ball in for a touchdown. Elijah ran it better. He fouled his blocker better. He just, he just, a, he just a better. He ran that play much better than anybody else. All right, talking with Dave Robinson, I want to do round three because we need right. to know the story of Elijah Pitts because he All was right, he it. was like the first, at least. I don't, maybe there were right. others that became assistant coaches, but uh, round three with the Hall of Famer Dave Robinson, assistant football coach Elijah Pitts, next. All right, round three. We've finally okay. gotten to the point. You play in Penn State in 59. We're now in the 70s. Never mm-hmm. been one black coach at any level, anywhere. And then what happened with Elijah Pitts? Well, Elijah Pitts went, went to play with uh, coach with Don Coriel out the, with the Rams. And he got some experience there. And he moved around, and, and then Coriel got moved. I'm, I think he got moved to Buffalo or something. Elijah got moved. He went down, he, he coached him in a... Uh, in Houston for a while, under uh, oh, I can't think of his name. But Elijah the was the first of your teammates to be hired right. as an assistant coach. Oh yes, first African American, right? Wow, you must have and, called uh, him. That had to be, or were you think it was long overdue? Or throw a party? Yes, or? of course. Oh yeah, and plus he's a good friend. We were families with close everything else. Then he finally got the job up in Buffalo, and he and uh, and he went to Buffalo. The uh, they had, the coaches changes, and Elijah was. Uh, casually, this changed. He went down to Houston, and uh, and then he came back to Buffalo. He got and he got the coach of Buffalo under uh, Marv Levy. Uh, was he was Marv a... Levy, right? Well, they had to be winning. Marv. Yeah, they win. Oh yeah, and Marv Levy taught. And Lodge was the running back coach. In fact, Thurman Thomas, who was a Hall of Famer, Thurman Thomas said he would never have made it in the Hall of Fame or never even been a good football player had it for Elijah Pitts. Elijah Pitts taught him how to run. And, uh, you know, he and Barry Sanders were teammates in college. That's correct. And they're yeah. both in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Barry Sanders got all, all the publicity. He was, but uh, Thurman Thomas was a good running back. In fact, he's a Hall of Famer. What, yes. what can I say? I, I'm asking he, you he, as a player. He, he what, Willie Davis. what would, what mean, would Elijah Pitts have told him? What, what just. Well, see, 
and most guys, especially when I was a kid, they, they just told you, you hit this hole and run, and, you, and they didn't tell you how to run. Elijah Pitts told the guy how to control his speed, how to turn it on, how to, when to break brakes. And it, it's running is a science. It's not that it's not, you don't just run, just run, run, run like, like all you can get. And he taught him the art, the art of being a running back and also I mean, taught him that, that he had to catch the ball. It had to be a catch the ball and different things. And uh, when you're not in the play, the, the face you have to make, when you're not in the play, to, to hold the defense or linebackers and stuff like that. A lot of things that he has to teach him. But he, he uh, but it's a, uh, I'll tell you, and, I, and, and I'll tell you, thinking about the Rooney Rule, when the Rooney Rule came in, almost everybody knew Elijah Pitts was there, and like almost, he, I think it was five different times his wife told me, he was he was invited to come in and interview under the Rooney Rule. And five different times he never got the, never got wow. the job. He, he, he felt that when he went in, he said it was just like a, a meeting. It wasn't really, a, a, they weren't really, a, they didn't really uh, ask him anything. They just had a, just a little talk. About, and uh, then Marv Levy got sick or hurt or something. I mean, he got sick it was. And Elijah was appointed as a temporary head coach on the Buffalo Bills. Well, uh, two or three games. I'm not sure how many games it was. But anyway, he won all the games he coached. And so now he can put that on his resume. I have had a job as a head coach. I performed well. We won the games. Blah, blah. Then when he got called up, he thought, now I'm going to get a shot at, at, at a head coaching job, right? He went, I, I, I can't remember the team he went to, but he told me, he went in there, he said, it was just, just in the, we sat around and talked about the the, the players and what, how, how much fun it was to go to the Super Bowl and all that. Didn't even talk to him about anything about his coaching skills or nothing. And consequently, he didn't get the job. And then that's when he knew that he was only being called in because of the Rooney Rule. Uh, and and uh, that's, that's what it was. Elijah Pitts should have been a head coach in the National Football League. He should have been one of the first. Another one should have been Willie Wood. Now, Willie Wood was an assistant coach in uh, San Diego. And that's when he had that big uh, drug, drug scandal down in in, the, in San Diego. And, and Willie got caught up in it because Willie did, he didn't do drugs. But he but he, went, he made the statement to a newspaper or something or a TV station or something that uh, it was well known that there was a drug problem on the team and, and uh you just don't do that. The NFL is a place where you don't. You got to keep your mouth shut. If you know something, you don't. You don't make it public. Roy did, and uh, he got blackballed. Roy Woods could never coach in the NFL. He ended up going to Canada, coaching in Canada, and he coached in a World League with a uh, the, the Philadelphia team. Philadelphia Five, get the call. Anyway, but he could well, then your belief the is that they both would have been great coaches. I don't know. Did Elijah Pitts they both just? Were. Just then, uh, stop coach. We stop being an assistant coach. No. And I, we're oh, talking no, about. No, no. Go ahead. He, he, he was. A, he was. A, he was always a number. He was always. I believe he's number one, number two number one man assistant coach. And they, until he died, he died in Buffalo. He uh, wow. he died of cancer. And Willie Wood, Willie Wood came out and, and coached. And uh, uh, Forrest Gregg, when Forrest Gregg got the job in in uh, in, in uh, uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. yeah. He wanted he wanted Willie Wood to come down there and be his defensive coordinator, and and I'm not sure about this. This is what I heard anyway. Forrest was told that Willie Wood was could not come back into the league. Oh, because so, of San Diego. And yeah, and, and so then Forrest went to Hamilton Tie Cats in 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 uh, Canada, and he took Willie Wood there with him. And then when he got or or I don't know, that something happened. I know I came in. Forrest came back to this country to coach. 
and he left Willie Wood up there as the coach. And Willie Wood coached them for a while, and then he came down and he coached in that World League, wherever it was. But that's how, that's what, that was in, and then he retired. When that league blew up, that's Willie Wood's coaching career was over. But I, he was I, a heck of a coach. I asked, you, I asked you this before. Yes. How are you not mad about that? Or what's the what's a way to describe your emotion for your friends that you knew were great yeah. players and great coaches and they never got a fair chance? What you know, I you know, I'll tell you, like I said, I I could always see a guy that needed a shot every time I looked in the mirror. I wouldn't do it myself, but I I knew that I saw what they have, I saw what they were happened to them, how they went through all this and everything else. And I, I could have, I could have been an assistant coach with George Allen for thirty five thousand dollars, and <laughs> and uh, and then built my built my way up. Maybe I don't know, but I, I was offered more money to go to sell beer, and I did. I took the money, but the thing is, I I knew that that what I knew, and I knew there's some things I love to see changes made in the. And the defensive sets and whatnot and everything else, but I I, I wasn't going to do it. I couldn't. I wasn't going to get a job. I wasn't. Gonna, I wouldn't be paid enough money to support my family and and do that. So I didn't. You know. And I, I you know I, and I used to sit back and look at football games. I do the day and I look at. I, like one thing, I, I'm appalled at the tackling techniques. And the, the tackling has gotten better in the last three years. That before they just push and shoving, but they they don't. They don't break down, and I, and I and I don't know who's coaching tackling that they don't they that you know if you don't break down a good running back those little head and shoulder fake on you and he's around you and that's what happens all the time no one and I, you know I just say I, well I just I don't want to get into it. They, all right, they, I want to ask they, you a couple they, questions. Everything's then. different. Everything's different yeah. now today. Yeah. I want to Okay, ask it, is, Should Vince Lombardi be given credit for being progressive in bringing in African American players or was it just that he wanted better players? I mean, was is it where do you where okay. does he fit in terms of if he had any impact at all in African American okay. players people in the NFL? Vince Lombardi did not care about your color, your, your heritage, or anything. He just took the best ball players. And by doing that, you know, we uh, we talk about being the first, the first, the first, all that. But one thing is, I mean, we we played a, a Kansas City in a preseason game, which was, uh, I can't think of the year now. It's after, after the merger went in. And we played in Milwaukee, as a matter of fact. And afterwards, uh, the guys from uh, Kansas City came in, we were talking together, and they said, Hey man, you guys got six black guys on your defense. Yeah. So how'd you do that? Well, they beat out six white guys. That's how. You know? And uh, and it was, but that was it was it was unheard of to have that many black guys on on one team at a time. Now you look at some of the defenses; they're, they're, they're all black. You know, maybe or it's nine out of eleven the guys on the defense would be black. But it was it was just on it was just unheard of to have that many black guys on the starting lineup on the defense. And wow. Then, you know, and and and, uh, and I'll tell you something else. It's interesting. It's, it's a thing. The last offensive unit to win the championship and was all white, no black guys on the starting team, was the 1962 Packers. So what, what's that say? I don't know what it means. But then the next year, in 63, uh, Vince broke that real quick. Well, no, wait. In the 60, did you say offensive or 
Offensive team, yeah. Yeah, because you had blacks on the defense even then. Oh, yes. The yeah. little offense. Wow. Blacks weren't smart enough. That's what they said. I don't, I don't know. When, but when you know you're smart and you know people that know you're smart, how can they still say you're not smart? It's, it was just a, we went from one, one GM to the next to the next to the next. To the next and in your GM training, he said, well, don't worry about the black guys. They're not smart enough. You know, they said, they said the black guy, let's see, the first one, Buddy Young was a great, one of the first big black ball players in the league. He was a little short guy running back. He ran. He was, he was just quick. The word went out to the league that if you want to get a black guy, he's got to be a running back. They don't they don't have the heart to play defense. They had big Dan Lisson who came in and killed people. He said, well, maybe they can. And then he made the kid. They're not smart as to be an offensive lineman. Then you got big Jim Jim Parker, Parker coming there. That's right. Oh, maybe yeah, they, they, maybe they can play defense. And then it just it just went on and on. And when I came up, the thought was that blacks could not be linebackers. In fact, uh, I, I really wanted to be a middle linebacker, and they they didn't. Uh, but we had Nitschke. That's another thing too. But, yeah, so uh, my, my story on Nitschke was they claimed that nobody knew what Ray was going to do, and so Willie Wood, in addition yeah. to being a great player, his job was to figure out where Nitschke would go and then make the right yeah. play behind him. Is there truth to well, that? Well, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Listen, Nitschke, <laughs> Willie Wood, uh, when I first came in, Willie Wood, I was talking one day, Willie Wood sat down with me and diagrammed the defense, and he diagrammed with every man on it, all 11 men, what their responsibility was. And I've been trying, struggling just to learn my responsibility. And I said, why'd you do that? We said, I learned it. said, you got to know where your help's coming from and blah, 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 and who you're going to help. And I said, if this little guy could do it, I could do it. I stayed up the next couple of days and I studied so I learned, I learned what every man on the defense did on every defense, not just the absolute. But, but when Phil was giving signals and we came in, sometimes Ray missed the signal. But Willie Wood always had to say, he'd hit tell Ray, Ray, it's such and such, and then Ray would call it. Or, or Ray would, and then Ray would, he'd call the, the defense, but then when we lined up, uh, we had to play a red and a green, look, look very similar, just where the fullback is and where the halfback is. And Ray would call a red, a green, and a, a green, a red, and all sorts of things, right? So uh, it got to the point where our defensive coaches said, whatever Ray calls, that's what we play. But some guys, some guys could see it was a, it wasn't a red, it was a green. And they were playing green. And Bavaria called red. So other guys heard red, they played red. It messed us up. So that was a rule after a while. This is and, such and, a treat, uh, talking with yeah. the Hall of Famer and uh, looking forward to hearing, and you'll be there when they announce that Leroy Butler's in the Hall of Fame. I wanted to ask you one final thought. Yes, I don't sir. know where you were, but... You here, Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL alleging right. racial discrimination. When right. you heard it, what was the first thought that entered your mind? <laughs> My first thought was that what he's saying that is true, but I don't know how you correct it. I, I, I mean, a guy, if he comes in and he interviews, and then the, the, the ownership or the general manager makes a decision who they're going to go with, how can you say that he made that decision uh, on based on race, rather on on the knowledge of, you know, it'd be something different. But it, it is kind of funny that these guys have great careers in, in the in the interview and they don't do well in the interview. But it's, it's a hard. I don't know how you. Can, I don't know myself how to improve the Rooney Rule, but there's got to be something that can be done. Because uh, talk to these guys who, who go into these interviews, they say that the 
white guys coming to be interviewed. They asked about the how, how, what the theories are for what kind of for the run of what offense and defense and all that stuff. And the black guy comes in, they sit there and just take a little general conversation, like something you have over lunch. Well, I know and, this, and the guys and the guys yeah. know right there and there. That I, yeah. I don't know this happens all the time, but I've heard about this, and they say they know right there and there that they're not going they're not going to get the job. Well, I know this. Somebody somewhere should say when it happens, I just want Elijah Pitts to be a head coach. Yeah. Well, that was, that wasn't going to happen. You know. Let's look. The NFL is a big organization, right? Right. No, it's not. It's 32 guys. Uh-huh. 32 people. Owners. Yep. And that's it. They control it. They're the ones who hired Roger Goodell. And then, and, and he, and he is at, he serves at their, at their pleasure. You gotta understand it. If those 32 guys, they get together, they're a little club. If they say, we're gonna do this, that's what's done. Nobody can change it but those 32 guys. And, and now, now we're talking about making sure they hire black coaches. That means that they have to police themselves. Roger Cadell can't say, they can't say anything about it. If he wants his job, there's nobody can tell those 32 owners what they gotta do. There's some things going on right now with this a couple owners, but they they are the ones, they, and and they have to somehow or another have to make up their mind that they're going to uh, give the black guys an equal chance to make it to, to get a coaching job, and then they and then they can you know then everything goes downhill. Then they can tell the general managers to to really be seriously look at these guys seriously, with, and and then you know then it'll happen. And I and I, I tell you that. I don't think it might happen. I think it will happen. I don't know when. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime, but and I hope it will, and I, I think it will too. But it's going to happen where the where the uh, when a guy goes in, he goes in on an equal equal ground with everybody else: white, black, yep. brown, yellow, anything. All all minorities come in together. Talking and, and, with the Hall of Famer Dave Robinson, and uh, I, I just feel lucky. People should all know that this is, uh, you can go to WisconsinOnDemand.com uh, Wisconsin and listen to this for the next 100 years, if you wish. It's <laughs> it's a pleasure, and it's a treat, and thanks for your time. And it's My just, pleasure. Homer, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know that. All right. Get, to the, you, get to the Super Bowl. Thanks. I'm on the way. You bet. Bye-bye. The one and only Dave Robinson. Uh, yep, Dan Orlovsky shocked if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back to Green Bay. Scalzo and Brust next. No worries.